to see it, friends. You're listening to Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Fast Forward Radio is an audio production of The Speculist, and you can find us online at speculist.com. That's S-P-E-C-U-L-I-S-T dot com. Or you can go straight to the blog at blog.speculist.com. At The Speculist and on Fast Forward Radio, we talk about what's happening in the world today and where we think the world is going, and we're not afraid to take a pretty contrarian view on those matters. We believe that there's a pretty good case to be made that the world might just be getting better all the time. In fact, we believe that if you're not excited about the future, you're not paying attention. Moreover, we believe that something's going to happen, something wonderful. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and I'm coming to you live not from Las Vegas, Nevada, but from someplace much less interesting this evening, Highlands Ranch, Colorado. And with me in the virtual studio is my co-blogger, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Well, don't don't down your down your hometown, uh, Phil. I, I almost did last week, and I, I felt bad about it. And now I'm going to pay penance by writing a post at the Speculist about Shreveport. I think so. Oh, okay. I think that's a good idea. Yeah, you, Shreveport, you shouldn't diss. But Highlands Ranch, everybody who lives here talks bad about it. So it's okay. I mean, we're kind of <laughs> we're kind of the butt of the Denver metro area jokes. In fact, what they say about Highlands Ranch is uh, the the line I've heard is Highlands Ranch is where married people go to die. <laughs> it's it's not one of the cooler uh, suburbs then, I guess, huh? Well, I I don't know that cool and suburb ever go together all that well, but it's one of the more <laughs> suburby kind of suburbs for sure. So yeah, uh, cool definitely doesn't apply to Highlands Ranch, but it's a great place, and uh, uh, I, I've got ter- terrific access to to mountain biking trails. So you know, I don't really. Well, that's cool. Either. There's nothing uncool about nice that. Probably. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. That's good stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, last week we had uh, we had kind of we had kind of glanced over Shreveport, and I know that uh, uh, you, you probably, um, if you look into it or if you have a moment to reflect, and I'm not putting you on the spot tonight because I know you said you want to write a blog post about it, but you probably have a lot more exciting stuff to say about Shreveport. Oh yeah, Shreveport, Shreveport is not a bad town. Uh, it's it's one of these places where you can get any place that you like within within the city. In 20 minutes, and no joke. I mean, there's, um, it's like uh, we overbuilt for interstates and things. And I mean, there's never any traffic, hardly, except for maybe at five o'clock uh, on the interstate. I mean, you, I mean, you can just about any time you can get anywhere you need to go. And it's a small enough town to where you know it's it's not overwhelming, but at the same time, it has you know it has it has a lot of the big town things about it. So. It's it, there's there's a lot to be said for my hometown. So anyway, yeah, that's a that's, good thing. I mean, you know, some, some somewhere where you, you get some of the advantages of the big city, but you don't have the hassles of the big city. That's you right. You don't have the crime and the, the risks and the danger. Good place to raise kids. That is right. That is right. So you're going all out in that front. <laughs> that's right. Well, I understand you're you're taking on a a new workout routine, and yeah, well, I was that, saying before before the show started, I. Uh, I'm I'm feeling a little fried right now. I I found this workout on uh, the website of Timothy Ferris, who I don't know if we've talked about him in a while, if at all, but uh, he's the guy who wrote the four-hour work week. And um, he he, uh, is is the guy who has a very unique view of how we ought to be living our lives. And and one of his his big ideas is that you outsource your life. You, you, You start a little business on the web that starts generating income for you, and then you can go off and, and do whatever is fun for you. And in his case, he likes to go off and race cars and 
uh, win martial arts contests and um, I don't know, like uh, I think he, he won a big tango contest down in Brazil or something like that. So he, it was this really interesting life. Very interesting life for this guy. <laughs> it's a very interesting life this guy's leading and not working, right? He's, he's working four hours a week tops uh, to, support the, uh, to support the lifestyle. So a big piece that goes along with this philosophy of working four hours a week is um, these, these super productive approaches to, um, to solving problems that, um, that, that we often take a long time to solve. He talks about learning a language um, in a very short period of time, uh, becoming fluent in a language in three to six months. And he has an article in there about how you can basically get the feel for and sort of deconstruct a, a, any foreign language in, I think he says, like two hours or three hours or something like that. So it's this, this really outrageous approach to um, it, it taking like a shortcut to, to anything you want to do. So all that's to say, I found this um, workout reference down there. He, he's got some great diet tips on there. He's, he's all about, you know, lose the, lose the weight fast, keep it off forever, and uh, all about ways to get in shape really fast. And there was a, uh, an, an article, article on his blog, we'll, we'll link this, talking about a workout that actually has its origins in research that was done at Colorado State University back in the 70s. Um, and it's all about very high-intensity weightlifting. So you're actually not, in my case anyway, you're not working out with that much weight, but you're doing very slow reps, and you're just keeping at it until you just can't take it anymore. So, so each rep um, <laughs> until each rep failure, huh? five. Yeah, yeah, five to ten seconds to complete. So you're moving, you're moving the bar really slow. And it looks like we might have I Michael. Let me, I wanna, uh, check on and see. If this is Michael. I'm sorry, uh, Michael. Uh, go ahead. Is that you? No, this is Mark from Los Angeles. Uh, I have yes. questions and yeah. comments. Yeah. First of all, uh, uh, this is regarding uh, World Wide Web. Uh, correct. Regarding internet. Correct. It's your show, right? Well, we haven't come to that topic yet, but that's what we're going to be talking about, absolutely. So what's, what's your question? Yeah, yeah my, no, I, see, I have comments that uh, you know that they're going to close down Internet because they don't want truth spread out, and then they're going to go to Internet 2. And Internet 2 is like a package, it's like, uh, like your cable. If you want 15 channels, you pay 20 bucks. You want uh, 40 channels, you pay $30, and it goes up to $100. So if you want uncensored uh, 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 version of Internet 2, you have to pay up to 100, 100 plus uh, packages in order to listen to Black Talk radio or your radio show, etc. Uh, or, or basically, uh, they are also censoring uh, many, many, many patriotic shows as well. So, uh, what do you think of that? Is that justice or is that well, Mark? Who, uh, normal? Uh, who, I'm, I'm sorry, your name was Mark. Yes. Um, who are you, who are you talking about that's that's doing the censorship and that is uh, th that is adding these restrictions on web use and and, and charging? No, no. Very soon, the, the, their plan is their plan is to take down internet uh, right now we have okay, they, again, again again they 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 who? who who's planning this who who's planning the uh, government the cia government. the uh, mi5 mi6 
and 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 how many more? I mean KGB. I mean all 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 are all the elite, all the oligarchy people, all the elite that are together in this mass. They created for us to 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 cause uh, you know havoc and distress for all of us. And basically, internet will be shut down uh, sooner or later. And you know that they are going to call martial law sooner or later in this country. And then they are going uh, to shut down cell phones. They are going to then the only best uh, you uh, have to your walkie-talkie. If you have walkie-talkie, then you are okay. <laughs> well, um, Mark, I'm gonna. Uh, we're gonna get. Um, we're gonna get I, to I, the I, subject of censorship uh, uh, just a little later on in the show. Um, let's. Uh, uh, Phil, go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, I was just going to say, I, 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 thanks, thanks very much for the call, Mark. Appreciate you calling in, and we, and we will come back around the censorship. I would just say that um, I, it seems unlikely to me that the, that the government would do that, even if uh, you had the government making a big power play, uh, such as what I think Mark is suggesting, even if the government was attempting a big crackdown and trying to take power, simply because there's so much about us they could learn by keeping the internet going. Uh, it seems to me they would they would want there to be a lot of access to the internet just so they could keep spying on us if uh, <laughs> if for no other reason. So, so, so I think maybe that's not uh, that's probably not a thing to worry about. And and I, I don't expect we'll see the kinds of uh, the kinds of crackdowns that uh, that Mark is talking about. What do you what do you think, Stephen? Well, I think uh, you know obviously uh, the China has tried to make the internet work uh, with a censorship model. And uh, you know, because of uh, because of their um, their vast marketplace and everything, they've even got some some uh, companies to go along with it. Um, it's uh, but ultimately, I think that uh, the company the countries that are the most open with the internet uh, tend to benefit the most from it. And uh, that's I, I guess it just kind of goes along with open society as a whole. That and and. And uh, you know, you, you benefit most from globalization when your society is open, and I think that the same could be said of uh, if, if internet is is wide open as well. So, absolutely, yeah, I, I, I agree, and, and and I think that yeah, there are tremendous economic benefits that a uh, that, that that a society reaps from from being open that they can't possibly have when they uh, when they close down in in that manner. I'm seeing in the chat room that they're getting an echo from me. So I'm going to, Stephen, I'm going to hang up and call back in. Um, okay, and that sounds fine. Now would be a great time for you to practice your singing for just a moment. Uh, <laughs> that sounds great. Well, I'd like to recommend to the audience a novel I've been uh, been reading over the last few days, and it's a quick read and a good read. Uh, it's, the, it's The Great Train Robbery. Now, this this thing is an old book. I mean, I've had it. Uh, I've had it for a long time on my shelf. Uh, it was published in about 1974, I think. But picked it up uh, and and got into it, and I tell you, that thing read fast. And it's a reminder to me how 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 good Michael Crichton is, especially his early career. And uh, I've enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Sat, read it in about uh, one sitting, which is a little unusual for me. I, don't, I usually pick up a book and read two or three chapters and then come back to it later on, but not this one. Went straight through it. All right. Maybe we can get back into Phil's conversation on his workout shortly. In the chat room, I uh, just wanted to ask, uh, does 
anybody is anybody getting an echo from my line? Yeah, I uh okay, David Ray responds that uh the the movie was good, the uh the great train robbery. I've never seen that. That was um a Sean Connery movie, I understand, and uh I think even Michael Crichton, the author, uh was uh it was it was involved in that. I mean, he might have been, even been the director. All right. Okay, we got Phil back. Hey, I Phil. I'm back. Okay. I, I hope it hope it sounds better now. Good. I was just telling the uh, telling the audience about a book I read this this uh, week, The Great Train Robbery. And uh, oh, okay. Michael Crichton's it's an old book. I mean, this thing uh, been out since 1974 or something like that. And uh, I mean, that thing uh, just uh, I I just read through that thing in in, in like one sitting. Which is unusual, so I can recommend that one to anybody. So that would have been one of uh, Crichton's first books. Absolutely, it, I, it was before he was a really a confirmed sci-fi author because it's not it's not sci-fi at all. And uh, um, right, well, it, Crichton's in this interesting place because he writes uh, these technological thrillers, uh, biological technological thrillers, and at some point he made the leap into pure science fiction. But he doesn't describe it that way, and it seems like the publishers don't describe it that way either. He's he's kind of carved out this unique niche for himself. So he can write a book about time travel, like Timeline, right. and it's not considered a science fiction novel, which is hilarious. Or you know, a book like Jurassic Park for crying out loud, which uh, well, yeah, maybe he thinks of, thinks of some some somehow as like a techno thriller or something. And if if you're defining it that way, I suppose Great Train Robbery could even fit into that because you know it's. These guys are using the technology of their day to accomplish this this robbery and um, the, the intricate planning that goes into it. I th- he's a, he's a uh, big admirer of, of of great plans, you know, and how they come yeah. together. Yeah, how, uh, how they can be carried out. Yeah, absolutely, and how they can go wrong. Right? That's right. That's, a, that's a, I noticed that's that in Congo as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's a that's a key thing in uh, in all of his books is the best laid plans. Uh, there's there's a lot of echoes of uh, Nicholas Nassim Taleb uh, and, and his book on the Black Swan and the you know the unexpected thing that throws everything off and uh, that, that you couldn't predict and that uh, uh, that completely changes the course of everything. Uh, a, a book that's proved to be quite prescient, I guess, with the with the things that have happened in the financial world over the last few weeks. And, and I think that idea, he doesn't express it as such, but that idea is a big driver behind what you see in, in Crichton's fiction. Right. Well, well, we, we, were, we were talking about your uh, workout, though, and I, I'm, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but oh, that's it was okay. good to take a call. The thing. We're on, just saying that's Fast Forward Radio, uh, Blog Talk Radio Network. Uh, we're talking. We're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the role of the Internet in the future, if you'd like to join us. Uh, there is an online chat, or you can give us a call, 347-215-8972. Yeah, I was just saying about that workout that um, um, it's extremely intense. You, it, it catches up with you, in my case, on about the – I'm, I'm doing these very slow reps. They probably take about, I don't know, somewhere in the vicinity of seven, six to seven uh, minutes, seconds to complete. Um, 
and, and you do the first three and you think, well, this isn't hard. This isn't much weight. And you get to that fourth <laughs> one and it's like suddenly your arms start to hurt. And then you get to that last one and it's like, ah, agony. And, um, I, I, yeah, I'm in a, uh, I'm in a bit of pain right now. I have to say, I, uh, not like it hurts, but like, you know, that feeling where, you know, tomorrow it's going to hurt. You know, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when you get out, when you get out of bed, it's going to be, it's going to be a struggle. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got a little of that going on. Well, and I know that you had, uh, undertaken some serious, uh, weightlifting earlier in the year. Is that, uh, is that still part of your weekly or, or daily, uh, routine and how's that going? I have to confess that it's not. And here, here's what happened. I, I overdid it and, and, and pulled a muscle in my back, uh, about a month or two ago. And, uh, and, you know, um, I had to lay out, uh, for a period of time. I, I probably should have kept the routine of, of, of going to the gym and, um, I don't know, uh, done some cardio or something because when it, it is, is proved to be difficult and, you know, the, I'm fine now, but I have, you know, yet to reestablish the routine of going, of going in. So I, I should have, I should have never stopped completely. I should have uh, moved to something that, you know, I could have continued to do, and so that that, that that's you know yeah, a lesson for me. I mean, you pull your back out when you pull your back out. That is like a world class excuse not to have to work out. I mean, yeah, just, you know, <laughs> get much better than that, right? That's and it's, right. man, it's hard to get it's hard to get back into it once you've uh, once you've taken a breather like that. But uh, um, anyway, if if you look it up, you might want to try this. Uh, you might you, you might want to try this high intensity thing. It doesn't take much time. And you can do it only once or twice a week, and the results are quite uh, supposedly just outrageous. So we'll, you know, we can we can track with this over the next few weeks if I try absolutely. To I want to hear next week, um, you know, how hard it was to get out of bed Monday morning. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you, you and I have reached the age, Phil, uh, where that is uh, something to think about. So. <laughs> Right, absolutely. Well, uh, but on the other hand, you know, 46 is the new 19 is what I always like to say. <laughs> That's right. All about life extension. All right, so uh, let's let's get into our topic of the evening, which is uh, the social singularity. And I had seen, or, or and, and the role of the internet in the in the future. And I had seen this um, article on the the idea of a social singularity. Actually, was linked uh, from Glenn Reynolds' side from Instapundit. To, and the uh, publication is called Atlantic Free Press, which I think is really interesting that their tagline is Hard Truths for Hard Times. And yet um, this, this writer, uh, Warren Bonesteel, has come up with this, I think, very positive view of what's happening with the Internet and how it is changing the world. He's, he's describing a world in which people um, obviously have – uh, this tremendous channel of communicating with each other, but beyond that, are empowered to do new things, empowered to do things that they they could never do before, uh, and to make a difference in ways they couldn't do before, to to impact outcomes in ways that they that they didn't have the capability, and to actually you know band together, um, find strength in numbers. And uh, one of the one of the sites, or I should say, sources he links in in talking about all this is. Uh, Glenn's book, An Army of Davids, um, which we've talked about frequently on, on this program as a, a kind of kind of a foundational principle for how, how, how the world is fundamentally changing in that individuals are being empowered, individuals are taking uh, economic control, they're taking 
control over their own lives. They're taking uh, control of the political process and, uh, you know, enjoying more autonomy in this day and age than really anything that we've ever seen in any period prior to this in human history. And what uh, Bone Steel is talking about here is how the Internet has enabled this. The Internet, um, and, and uh, of course, especially the World Wide Web, has, has made this possible and is making this, this possible. Uh, and it's just, it's a, it's a tremendously uplifting kind of a read. I, I uh, got through it once and I said, well, this guy is just right up our alley. In fact, um, I, I can't help but think that there's some kind of tie-in between um, this social singularity, this, uh, this use of this technology to make people able to, to improve their world. And I, and, and I should mention, that's one of the things that he says. People are able to come together with this idea that they can make the world better, um, that, that they have the idea that they want to do that, and suddenly they're connecting to other people who want to do that and finding ways to do that. And, and I can't help but think that there's a real connection between that and what we talk about when we talk about the human imperative, um, what, what we talk about in the Speculus Manifesto of, of humanity striving you know, from, from our inception uh, since the beginning of humanity to make the world a better place, to uh, optimize the configuration of atoms in our world, you, you might say, uh, to, to, to provide better outcomes. And the Internet in, in this model becomes a tremendous enabling technology for getting the world better and better. And as the web grows, as on the one hand the number of people using it increases, and as the technology uh, that it supports, the different kinds of applications and what we're able to do on the Internet, as that increases, you, you see this kind of exponential growth in terms of what, how people are enabled, how people are empowered, and, and what they're able to do uh, because of this technology. So that's, that's I, kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, I uh, I had the link to the uh, to the cached version of this. Apparently, uh, Instapundit's link and probably other people linking to this uh, have have pulled it. You know, have killed it for right now. I shut him down for the time being. Shut him down. But I, I linked to the cached version that I found at Yahoo, and it's uh, uh, that's how I that's how I had to find it to read it. And it, yeah, it's 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 great. Um, the uh, why don't you go ahead and put that link of the cached version up on the uh, up on the chat room? So I, I, I sure did. I just did. I just did. So oh, okay. everybody can uh, take a look at that. I, um, I I wonder what what kind of um, you know what he what he where he thinks this is going because I mean I certainly understand how powerful the web is right now. I mean if I if there's something I don't know that I need to know to get, accomplish anything or, or write about something or to uh, it, gain some expertise in something, I can quickly find it with the present web. But I don't think he's talking about that. I think he's talking about people banding together in, you know, real time to do to accomplish, you know, things to make the world a better place. I'm I'm not sure if that structure has been built yet. Uh I I, I see efforts like on Facebook and things like that to uh you know you know, release so and so political prisoner or something like that. And, you know, join my group. Well, you join that group, and and the group builds to a big size. But I'm not sure how that, at this point, pushes the you know whatever uh, to, to to accomplish that thing that they're uh, that these people are interested in having happen. 
Uh, well, I think uh, I think that that raises that raises a great point. Uh, that that is exactly where I wanted to go with uh, with talking about this. You know, let's let's look at the internet, um, and we're optimists. I mean, uh, you know, we we, we yeah. tend to we we tend to think things are getting better. I, you know, we we write a regular column on that subject on on the, on the web. Um, but you know, the the, the question is, uh, is he right? Is um, is is the web enabling us to improve the human condition? And if so, how is it? And I think you raise a really good point. You know, you talk about um, the kinds of uh, the, the kinds of causes you might see on a Facebook, or that you might uh, somebody might email you. I, I get a regular email from um, a group uh, that's concerned about Darfur. Uh, yeah. I had contributed some money to a cause around that probably three four years ago. And I get continuous, like daily, or maybe not daily, but certainly weekly updates from this group as to how dire the situation is and how additional money would be appreciated. <laughs> you know, so, so the the um, it, it's like the institution has taken on a life, and the the web certainly has enabled people to organize around things. But the the, the question is. Has it enabled people to take that next step of actually do anything about anything? Right. That's the uh, that, that's that's the real trick. Um, right. I, I don't see that Darfur has improved drastically over the last few years. And if improvements have been made, I'm very sorry to say that probably this group and uh, all the other web groups working together probably haven't had that much to uh, to do with it. So so from a standpoint of solving of of, of sweeping in. And solving big, major global problems like this, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe we're not there yet. I, um, are you familiar with Five for Fighting and uh, and um, and his song, um, "What Kind of World Do You Want"? Uh, are well, you I, I'm familiar with Five for Fighting, but no, I, I don't know that song. Okay, well, um, he uh, he came out with a song a couple of years ago, and uh, I've got a sample of it. And I'm going to play it here in just a second. But what was kind of cool is that after he you know, published this song. He uh, he started a website, and um, anyway, let me let me play the song, and then we'll get into what what he's trying to accomplish with that. Okay. Okay. Printed on the box I see, Acme's built a world to be. Take a chance, grab a piece, help me to believe it. What kind of world do you want? They Okay, I mean, so what he's doing at this website is he's saying, okay, um, without any preconceptions, what kind of things need to happen in this world to make it a better world? I want your suggestions. And then he takes these suggestions and starts charities that fall under the rubric of this what kind of world, you know, dot com that uh, that he started here. And... um, I think it's I think it's a marvelous idea. Uh, so far, it's it's not huge yet, uh, but I mean, there I think he's raised a quarter of a million for various uh, ideas and various charities that he, uh, through this website. Not so, bad, you know. I mean, it's not it's that's, not bad. That, that's so. a, that's a that's a definite start. Um, and is this this is something he's doing over the I, I assume over the web or it wouldn't have come up. 
Uh, That's right. Absolutely. And is it a Facebook page? We're getting some interesting discussion in the chat room about the efficacy of Facebook and uh, social networks generally. Uh, how did you learn about it? Was it through Facebook or some of the? No, I, um, I, 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 I like Five for Fighting. I like his music, and uh, and uh, somehow through uh, you know through reading about it or something, I learned about this website. And so yeah, let me uh, let me pull it up and, and put the link in the chat room. Yeah, it's and and really, it's I, I like the idea of okay, throw out your ideas if if. You know, if if we look at them together and decide they're any good, then that will be something we we try to uh, pursue. And uh, you know, you know, grab in in the song he says, you know, uh, uh, grab a piece. In other words, just grab an idea and you go with this idea. You know, so I, I, um, it's a, it's an interesting concept, and I, I wish I wish him well. I like the idea very much, and um, it's it's great to see somebody using. Um, there, and, and not to say that celebrities don't do this quite a bit, because actually you, you do hear and see quite a bit this. But but the um, the notoriety that they have, and the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The kind of sway that they hold over other people due to the fact that they're that they're celebrity. Uh, you know, to, to to channel that in a good direction, to channel that in the direction of helping people, and not not only that, but he's he's empowering people by saying, let me. Uh, you know, let me put resources behind your good idea, right? Uh, right. Not, not just I've got a great idea now. Everybody, get, everybody, get behind my great idea. But let, let me put some resources behind the idea, the idea that you've had. So, in fact, he is is helping to empower a, a wide variety of causes and individuals by by putting something like that in place. That's right. Uh, is the the website's what kind of world do you want dot com? So, what kind of world do you want dot com? All right. Yeah, I, I would urge everyone to check that out. Let's start thinking about what kind of you know we we talk about that quite a bit on this program. What kind of a world we want? Yeah. And this program, by the way, is Fast Forward Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network. We're talking about the internet and the social singularity, the future of the web, and how it is perhaps making the world a better place. If you have some thoughts on that, please join us in our online chat or give us a call at three four seven two one five eight nine seven two. Now. One of the things that Steele talks about, um, it, it, it comes back to an idea that, uh, that we've hit on uh, a number of times on this program, is the, uh, you know, what the future of currency is. And we talk about currency uh, being based uh, not on uh, – what is, what is the term that we usually uh, – I'm trying to think of uh, the – uh, the, the basic value factor that that, that uh, it's been it's been suggested will will lie behind the, the currency of the future, and I can't think of the words. But well, it, the, um, the currency uh, in uh, in that um, uh, living in the Magic Kingdom. What, what was the name of that short story? Uh, they called it yeah, Woofy. Down and out in the Magic Kingdom. Down and out in the Magic Woofy. Kingdom. And yeah. yeah, they and it was called Woofy, and uh, it was based on reputation. If uh, reputation. If, yeah, if the idea was that if. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm well known for uh, knowing, say, Louisiana law and futurism, <laughs> two very diverse things. Okay, uh, I, I've gained I gain a reputation for those things. Then uh, I can spend that that reputation earns me, I guess, points in this whoopee system, whatever it is, and uh, and I can use that to I can I can take that down to McDonald's and it'll buy a Happy Meal. You know, 
Um, exactly. That, uh, you know, I, I've, uh, I kind of have tended to laugh at those ideas just a little bit because it seems to me that reputation is built into the currency that we have now. If I don't have a good reputation as, say, an attorney, which is what I do for a living, uh, then you know it definitely will affect my bottom line. But you know, I, I, you sure. pointed out last week that uh, that the current that the currency we have now. I mean, you know, it's possible for a person to be born into this world, uh, inherit a bunch of money, be a trust fund baby all their life, never accomplish anything uh, of worth, and uh, and but have a lot of money. Um, right. You know, so the, where does that, that, that fit in there? Yeah. They can have, you can be Paris Hilton, right? You can have her reputation. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but oddly, though, it's worth it's worth quite a bit of money. Maybe you and I are old fashioned. We're old school. We use the word reputation to mean that people think good of you, right? Maybe, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, maybe reputation just means that people think about you a lot that, uh, right. in, in 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 this world. And in, in, in famous for being famous. Has, yeah. Yeah, has bought her quite a bit of reputation. Well, I like the word that Bone Steel uses. He does not use reputation, and I was going to say this word, but I'm glad we, I'm glad we, we clarified that with reputation. The word he uses is credibility, right. and I think that that might, uh, that might come a little closer. Although it's a combination of those two things. If you look at what Five for Fighting is doing, he's, he is lending both his reputation and his credibility. But when the rubber hits the road, right, what's happening is people are giving money. Yeah. So I think at, at best, in, in the world we're in right now, we have a couple of currencies. Um, there's, there's the real one, uh, which is that, uh, you know, if you have money, you can buy things and do things and, and make things happen. And then there's reputation, which maybe can get you some money. <laughs> in which case, you can buy things and do things and make things happen. <laughs> and, I, I and I suppose if you spend way. enough money, you can make a reputation by just spending money sometimes uh, in the form of advertising, well, I guess. Well, Hilton, right? I mean, you know, she's yeah. famous for being famous, and I think the wealth is really what she was able to leverage into that and, 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 and the Hilton name. So, so there's an interesting, uh, interesting and I think complex relationship amongst uh, credibility, relationship, and value uh, that, that hasn't, quite, hasn't quite settled out yet. So, um, so let's look at some of these other questions that, uh, that I had. So I, I think we're, we're ready to say that, um, that if the web enables improvement of the human condition, it doesn't do so by, by solving massive global problems at least not so far. Um, but, but it definitely does to the extent that it empowers individuals and groups. It puts, puts people in touch with each other, and it gives them more options than, than they've had before. How about this question? Does it bring us together as a global civilization? Is that just a loaded question, or I, is there really something going on there? Oh, I believe it does. I, I, I believe that the, the world has shrunk in many ways. Um, you know, it, it doesn't. It wouldn't really matter. Let's say if somebody had something, they, you know, had had an interest in futurism, uh, and uh, came across our website. It wouldn't matter necessarily where they are. They could, uh, they could, you know, read our ideas and 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 then hear fast forward radio or whatever from wherever it is that they are, and uh, and then they could get involved, start you know commenting, uh, you know, ask to write a post, and we we put it up on the blog. It, you know, it's. Um, it's it's entirely you know ge- geography matters very little anymore. Um, you know, can you imagine trying to put together a radio show uh, with a guy in Denver and a guy in Shreveport that 
ha- have basically no equipment at all and uh, no access to like a, you know a, a radio network or anything. Can you imagine trying to do that ten or fifteen years ago? You know, no, I can't. Good. Well, it, the, the, of course, the, it couldn't have happened anyway because you and I would never have met to even start <laughs> having these conversations, right? Without exactly. the web to connect people, um, you know, we, we, we would have no podcast to speak of. I, I've, I've thought about that in my own life, how different um, my life would be if this technology wasn't here. Um, I'd be interested in the same things, but so many people I'm in contact with uh, so many friends I've made, and so many channels I have for uh, not only learning about what I'm interested in, but expressing my my own views on what I'm interested in, just wouldn't exist. A, a, a huge part of my life just wouldn't be there. I don't I don't know what would be in its place. I assume I would be, you know, like publishing some mimeograph newsletter or something like that in uh, in, in lieu of doing a in, in lieu of doing a blog, but. Um, you know that's not as good, and and I I don't think I would uh, that that we would enjoy the kinds of connections to other people that that we have, you know, but for but for the technology being there, much less be able to do something like this every week. That's right. Um, I liked what OK David Ray said in the chat room. Uh, maybe Google Rank is a is a contemporary form of Woofy. I, I like that. That's uh, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Um, you know. If, well, let me let me tell you why that is exactly right. Not not only because um, the the Google rank is going to bring traffic to your site, so you're going to get more uh, reputation, and more credibility, and more recognition, uh, but also because the Google rank has everything to do with how much you're paid when people click on one of your Google ads, and and so the uh, the money side of currency also comes into play there. So it, it, it the, the the fact that we haven't gone to a pure reputation based economy yet um, doesn't matter where, where Google rank is concerned. It's driving um it's driving both kinds it's it's driving both your reputation and your economic viability as a website so good call dave yeah absolutely well what about uh what, what about other uh other ways that the that the so well i i was thinking is. about the uh the the there's a company called crayon um and you know I'm a little I'm a little fuzzy on exactly what it is they do, but uh, Crayon uh, they pretty much don't have a central office, or if they do, it's it's not really what their business is about. They they hire people all over the world. You know if if you if you have uh, an ability to do a certain task, uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you can join their company. And uh, I think that that's a model for how things are you know how things can get, could go in the future. Um, you know, it's I guess it's a combination of the old way of doing things, you know, within a company, and uh, and it, and it's and but it's also it's the new way where people just you know gather together and almost ad hoc to get things done, and you know. So what it, service do they provide, or what what business are they in exactly? What well, that's, that's what I'm kind of fuzzy on. But I, I tell you what, while okay. while we're talking about it, I suppose I could I could look them up, but. Uh, but that's that's kind of what they do. They uh, they you know they they hire people from all over. You, you know, just by way of the internet. You know, you do a, you know certain tasks for their company, and that and you get paid. So I mean, that's uh, um, you know, it's not the okay, uh, so it's not the charity thing. It's uh, it's uh, it's 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 business. It's like regular work, like like finding work to do for money. Right. Um, 
And it's like contracting, different kinds of contracting projects. Maybe is it IT or broader than that? Or yeah. And well, then uh, like Cran, the... you'd, you'd expect it to be graphic designers and artists. And that's you can't tell in this day and age. <laughs> and then like that could attach to, uh, to to just about anything. But actually, the point uh, the, the point remains the same, uh, irrespective of of what particular business they're in. And that reminds me of another benefit that I thought of earlier as I was I was going through this in my head. I was thinking about different ways that this kind of online community, this glo- growing global community has improved the world. I, I thought, can I make a case that the Internet has improved the environment? That was just the, the, the one that occurred to me to ask hypothetically. And I thought, okay, well, you can always make the default case for any problem, and this goes back to DARFR, uh, our earlier example, or, or any other problem you'd care to name, it has improved uh, the environment by making information available to people, right? So the, the Internet has improved the environment simply by making people more aware of the need to take good care of the environment. So if, you, if, if you're satisfied with that, great. But then I thought, ah, that's not that good. What, what, what else can we do with that? I mean, that's good, obviously. It's important. But, um, but we're looking for that. We're looking for that. How's, how's the world really improved? And I think that this, this level of technology uh, has killed distance. We, we used to talk back in the 80s about the coming death of distance. This was, I, I worked in telecom back in those days, and this was a huge predicted thing that there, the distance wouldn't matter anymore um, because of telecommunication networks, obviously. Um, and now we really see that happening, um, where in the business world, people routinely have regular uh, and uh, depending on your infrastructure, face-to-face meetings without anybody having to go anywhere. So we can, uh, at, at the company I work for, we have conference rooms set up with, with nice uh, uh, HD uh, uh, TVs and cameras, and basically you can conference with any other location of the company, and it's like you're all pretty much in the same room. I mean, this, this technology has been around for a number of years. We used to do this back in the uh, 80s and early 90s at, uh, at the phone company I used to work for, and it was awful. I mean, you couldn't really. I mean, people's mouths didn't move with what they were saying. You'd get big drop-offs on the uh, on the uh, on the video portion or on the audio portion. And it was just it was quirky and 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 distracting. But but now it works pretty well, and people actually travel less. And so I would say their carbon footprint of businesses has been reduced considerably by the fact that people can have presence over the phone, through the net, and occasionally when they need to, uh, by, by doing something like uh, like video teleconferencing. Although often people use something like um, net meeting or, or one of those kind of in-between, uh, you know, sort of live PowerPoint kind of presentation tools to, to allow a meeting to take place when people are scattered all over the world rather than, you know, spending all the money for, for those airplane tickets and, and burning all that fuel, we just... Uh, we, we just bring people together in a virtual way. And it sounds like that's what you've got with, with Crayon as well. Uh, that's right. And I, and I think that, um, you know, when, you, uh, when, when your company is uh, scattered like that, I mean, you, obviously you, you're never going to get everybody together. And you have to learn to work in ways where, you know, you, you, if you're going to have a meeting, you have, to be, you have to be very comfortable with doing it that way all the time. And um, you know, so things like PowerPoint presentations and things like that, you have to, you just have to be very comfortable doing that. So, um, 
And I, I think that that's, that's likely to be the way it's going to be to the point that, you know, you'll, people will end up uh, doing net meeting uh, with someone that's like, uh, you know, 10 feet away because that, <laughs> that's the way they work. You know, I'm at my desk, and yes, you're you're right across the room, but, you know, we're also talking with some guy that's, you know, halfway across the country. So, you know, this is the way we do things, you know, so. Yeah, people uh, people text each other from cube to cube, right? Yeah. People who could stand up and prairie dog, right, and like <laughs> physically see each other eye to eye, actually like text each other cube to cube. So that I mean, you know, that might be the downside, right? That that could be uh, that, that could be the uh, the, the the bleak uh, uh, um, potential for for this technology. But I think not really. I, I think what it um, what it shows is that that. Um, Business communications and really most communication, personal interpersonal communication as well. Um, we've we've gotten used to getting it down to the the most essential message. So there was a time when people felt like they had to meet face to face, and then suddenly it was possible to do some business over the phone. And people got increasingly used to I'm just dealing with a voice, but but that's all right. Um, and, and there was a time when when you know, longer ago when people would write letters and, and that was a, a piece of business. Well, then email came along and suddenly there's this this aspect of, of, of using written communication to, uh, to to conduct business. And when you, com- when you start combining them, you know, you got email to write to someone with or if it needs to be instantaneous, you can, uh, you, you can do online chat or you can text with somebody, you can pick up the phone and you can call them. If it needs to be more elaborate, you can get everybody together on a net meeting and you can share PowerPoints and everyone's seeing all the same things. It has to be extremely elaborate. You can have uh, the cameras set up and and actually be looking at the other people who are around you. But that's a lot of steps between um, no business at all and having to get together face-to-face. It's it's a lot of options that that didn't exist before. And I I think that... um, I, I, you know, I've heard it. I've heard it suggested that that young people today are, you know, they they're bereft of any real interpersonal communication in their lives because all they do is like text each other, right? They're just constantly <laughs> texting their friends, and and the truth is, they're actually no, no. These 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 kids are living very rich lives, uh, full of interpersonal communication. Um, it's just that uh, it's taking a form that we're not used to. That that they didn't have. Well, and before. I think texting is just a small part. I mean, I, they, you know, obviously these kids, you know, they they get together and they have a normal life too. It's just uh, I think it's it's a uh, just another piece that uh, allows them to, you know, stay in contact more, perhaps. So. Well, absolutely. I mean, texting is the equivalent of you know passing notes in class, and suddenly you're able to pass notes not only to the person immediately next to you, but to all of your friends. Um, all the time, you know. That's a. You want to talk about being empowered, right? You want to yeah. talk about having a, a new capability you didn't have before. In, in fact, yeah, I think that um, far from becoming isolated and alienated, which is um, w- which is the way that that's often viewed, that, um, these kids are probably much more connected than um, than it was possible to be before, uh, because as you said, they still get together live. They still have friendships and, uh, you know, swim meets and, uh, you know, sleepovers and all that kind of stuff. And yet at the same time, they're, they're also just constantly communicating with each other via chat, via text, via, uh, via voicemail. They're sending each other pictures. And there's just a, there's a, level, of, there's a level of interconnectedness that, um, that 
no one ever had before. I graduated college in 1990, and I remember thinking when I was leaving college, I said, I'm, I'm going to lose contact with most of these people. These are great friends of mine, and I've had, you know, loads of fun with these people. They're, you know, you know these, and it, but you know, unless unless it's people I'm keeping up with on a daily basis, I'm going to lose contact with them. And to some extent, that was true for a while. Um, and you know, then you have sources like Classmate.com and these and, and other social networks, and all of a sudden, I'm plugged back into these people. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, but you know, I guess that's an example of how uh, you know that there'll never be a period of time for people that are you know are in college now that they'll lose contact with their friends. I mean, you know, it's they're they're plugged into these social networks already. And uh, that's and the, those networks don't have to be built; they're they're in place. So yeah, I, I don't see I don't see how that's uh, that doesn't do anything but enrich your life. That it, it it's, I don't see that as taking away at all. Yeah, they, they will only you they will only lose contact with people they've decided to filter out. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I mean, which which is the the actual thing? You know, uh, uh, David was was talking earlier in the chat room about you know how big can uh, Facebook scale? Well, one of the problems inside Facebook is how an individual scales it uh, for their own use. Because it, once you're kind of connected in one of these social networks, it's seemingly endless uh, people asking you to be friends. And you can build a network of infinite size. And, and you see, well, not infinite, but outrageously enormous size. And you see people who, who have these huge networks. And not only the number of people, but the number of different kinds of interactions that you're that you're having with these people. Right. Um, particularly in Facebook, where they have all this like, you know, let's bowl, let's go bowling, let's play Texas Hold'em. You know, yeah. uh, you're now uh, a, a vampire in my vampire posse. Uh, you know, this <laughs> like bizarre <laughs> stuff that that shows up in Facebook. And some people just they seem to just sign up for everything. You know, it's like they they befriend everyone they meet and they sign up for. Every opportunity, and you, you know, you eventually you reach a point where either uh, your entire life is sending out little gizmos and doodads on Facebook to people who are essentially strangers, or you start filtering. And you start saying, "Well, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, these are the activities that I really enjoy, and these are the people that I really feel some serious connection with that, that I want to be in touch with," and and you know that that becomes. That becomes the driver, but it's not different. I think it's not different from the the decisions that uh, that we've all had to make. You know, when you were leaving college and you said, "I'm going to lose touch with all these friends." Well, I mean, you certainly could have made a concerted effort at that point to say, "Give me an address where mail will be forwarded to you," right? And yeah. and started this big letter writing campaign to to all your college buddies, or you know, phone numbers, or or something like that. But but that was hard to scale back in those days. So it was hard to scale up to that level of communication. And now the challenge is you have to scale back from. Yeah, if Facebook is going to be meaningful to you at all, and you know, if if, if you intend to have a life outside of the internet, <laughs> and you want Facebook to be meaningful to you at all, you've got to make the, you know, okay, this I don't really know this person, you know, yeah, I, we have two we have two friends in common, and yes, this person might be a fascinating person, but right now, you know, I'm I'm choosing not to add them to my friends list at this point yeah I, you know you just have to make those decisions so as to make make it useful to you i guess i, I noticed exactly. that if, uh, some okay. social networks like are having now where you, 
you have like friends and then better friends and then super duper friends. Uh, they're, they're like, uh, you know, uh, like grades of friendship, I guess now within within these things so that you could, I suppose. Well, they, they need something like that because there's this harsh thing of like defriending someone. Yeah. Right? I mean, no, nobody wants to do that. That's just the meanest thing in the world, right? But if you look at your list and you go, I've just got too many people on this list, what do I do? Well, do I make them an unfriend? Is there a, is there a big red X I can put next to their name, you know? And then if I do that, what, do they get an email that says, oh, so-and-so, you know, just like when you become friends, it was all, you know, it's, it's published in, in Facebook anyway. It's on your wall, right? Um, you know, <laughs> well, what you do, you, you, uh, you, you make yourself a form letter. You know, it's not you, it's me. It's yeah. me. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> We're breaking up, but it's 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 yeah. me. It's, no, not, it's not me. You. It's totally me. No, you're great. <laughs> oh man. Um Yeah, I mean that's awkward. That that's awkward. So it's like you, and, and that's enough, and that that is that exemplifies what I'm saying about filtering. About the, the need to filter to make that uh, to make that useful. Because otherwise you've just got this this cacophony. And I mean we it's not just on the social networks. We filter anyway. We have um, a lot of just kind of biases that uh, that filter the information that we get. We have favorite websites that we go to. We have, uh, you know, people who, if I get an email from one individual, I'm going to immediately read that and respond to it, and somebody else I'm going to go, well, you know, I'll, I'll get to it, I promise. Really, I will. Um, you know, and, and, and that kind of guides how we interact with people via email or how we feed ourselves information over the over the web. But that brings me back to my question, which is not just emphasis on uh, global civilization and not just emphasis on um, connecting individuals, but this question, is the Internet actually bringing humanity together? Are we in – because this is what I think Bone Steel is suggesting, very mildly, very lightly suggesting, that people are uh, on the web – becoming more of one purpose, becoming more nearly united in terms of a common set of goals. He doesn't say that, but, but that's, the, that's what's hinted and that's what's suggested at. And I so think it's – okay. Uh, my thought on that is that it's, it's, uh, it's hard to hate somebody that you know. It's, I, I, I guess I should say it this way. It's easier to hate somebody that you don't know and that you you know you you haven't had conversations with you don't you know you you haven't you know read what they've written you haven't you know stepped into their shoes in some way you can always make them the other easier if as long as long as you you have limited contacts with them um the internet makes everybody closer I mean, you, you, if you care to know what anybody, you know, what, what any group of people think, you know, you can find it out on the Internet. And, you know, it just, I, I think it does. It, make, it, it makes hatred a harder thing to muster. You have to work at hatred harder when, you, when, you know, these people are when you are, know are them. Yeah, when you know them. Yeah. And now, uh, now there are always people out there willing to work at hating. You know, you're going to find people like that. I mean, they're 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 willing to you know to go to go the distance, you know, on on hatred. But it's I think it becomes a rarer thing, and that's good. I think I think you're right, and and I think where it um, where it's most challenged is probably in the um, in the political arena, and certainly if you read. Um, 
Well, not just there. Actually, anywhere that comments are allowed, I would say. Anywhere in the blogosphere or elsewhere <laughs> in the Internet where, where people are allowed to leave comments because uh, you want to talk about a technology that has enabled people. The Internet has enabled people to be obnoxious to complete strangers in a scale that was never possible before. You know, I mean, you'd, you'd have to go, like, try to be rude to everyone in an entire football stadium or something like that to achieve the kind of, the kind of scale that, that people are, are, are able to achieve. And, I mean, we, you know, we talk about this sometimes, too. It's like uh, a lot of times the people who show up on the blog to make a comment, uh, you know, as often as not, don't have something terribly constructive to say, right? They've got a chip on their shoulder about something. Um, they, they've, they've got a preconception about who you are having written the piece that you've written, and they immediately go into their talking points against the people who they believe hold the particular position, which may or may not even apply to, to, to you. Um, and, and you see this um, in, in the political blogosphere especially where there's this kind of polarization. And I think that, that while the technology has enabled us to connect, and if we can get past our areas of disagreement and look at each other as, uh, start to look at each other as human beings rather than as people on the wrong side of a particular cause, I think there's great potential for, uh, uh, for, for it to connect us. I, I, I can't help but feel that there's also a real danger that this technology can help to make us even more, more polarized than, than we have been in the past. Uh, you know, it seems to me that yeah, yeah, I think that that's true. I think that there, you know, you know, you, there are going to be people that join the liberal team and then people that join the conservative team, and you know, and 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 you tend to throw lob bombs back and forth at each other more so. I mean, you you know, it seemed to me like maybe 20 years ago that it was easier to be an independent, where you know, I, I, let me listen to the ideas that are out there and I'll vote on that basis. Well. You know, now there seems to be more polarization. I, I, I agree on that, but um, you well, know, and I, I think it's it's a combination of two things. It's it's the polaris. It's the it's the uh, filters. You, you can filter out and just kind of get information from the people who agree with you uh, ideologically. Combined with the uh, highly scalable and ease ease of uh, ease of access obnoxiousness, right? <laughs> you put those two things together. It's kind of this. It's, it's this toxic thing. But, but as you were saying that, it occurred to me. I think the difference is um, maybe that the, the, the web has opened us up to people in other countries, uh, to, to people in completely different situations, and, and we're able to see them better, to understand them better, and we're more accepting of them uh, as, as people in our lives. And the people who are closest to us in some ways, uh, with whom we just, you know, with, with whom we share a common language and uh, a common culture and, and common history, but with whom we disagree politically, it's kind of it maybe tended to help polarize us a little bit. So it's, a, it's kind of a kind of a mixed bag there, I think. Yeah, uh, perhaps so. Perhaps so. Uh, I, I think one thing that both sides could could uh, try to keep in mind uh, on the, is that there's not going to be any ultimate winner. I mean, you know. Um, you know, liberalism is not going to triumph and to the point that conservatives, you know, that that you know anybody uh, to the to the right on these issues is their, their point of view is never even considered anymore. And and you know we uh, we live in a liberal utopia from now on. That's not going to happen. Nor is you know uh, nor are we going to choose as a nation to elect Ronald Reagan clones from here forward. That's not going to happen either. It's going to be a back and forth and. Um, 
you know, it it might it might help to uh, you know to depolarize us some if, if if people on both sides of the issue realize that, and uh, and and you know just I don't know try to find some middle ground every now and then. Yeah, it's going to bounce. It's it's bound to uh, it's, the pendulum it's swings back and forth. Yeah. Well, and and I think that um, what I really like about what Bone Steel said because it it, fit, it fits so well with what we do is that where people are in complete agreement um, before they start arguing or after or uh, alongside of the fact that, that they argue, is that everyone agrees that they want the world better, right? That takes us back to the, uh, to the human imperative and to the, the idea of live to see it and, and, and better all the time. We, we all agree that we want the world to be a better place. We might fundamentally disagree as to how we make it happen. A lot of what we want to happen is actually not that different, although although there are there there are different uh, there there are different means of getting there. So so one of the things I hope to see happen is that um, is that people get as focused on uh, ends as means that that they start looking at positive outcomes and saying, well, you know what, um, I'm a real conservative guy. You're a real liberal woman. Uh, we disagree on just about everything, but we we can definitely both agree that the X would be a, a completely positive outcome. And when you look at something like Better All the Time, which we publish regularly, a list of good news stories, there, there there's hardly anything that we've ever put on there that would appeal only to one side of the political spectrum, right? right. I, I think that most of the stuff we put on there and most of the stuff we talk about on this program would would appeal equally well to people on either side of the on either side of the spectrum. They they can disagree as to the you know political philosophy that's going to lead to these good things happening, but they'll agree on what the good things are. They, you know, I, I think we all uh, we all know what an improved world looks like when we see it. Right. And um, when we con- and when we conquer cancer, I think that there will go there'll be a cheer from both sides of the aisle. You know. Exactly. Exactly. So, so I think that um, by allowing us to communicate our ideas about what would make a better world, to focus on the ends a little bit, and to agree that we should all be working on those things, I, I, I just didn't want to end on, oh, wow, everybody disagrees, it's a mess. I want to make it clear that in my view, I believe that the technology and people using this technology um, are, are indeed eventually going to come much closer to a, a community of people working towards positive ends. And I think at that point you really do have something like a social singularity, a, a very different world uh, than, than the one we live in now. But what has to happen uh, before we get there is that, uh, is that people start looking for good outcomes ahead of winning. And I think that's a, that's a big leap that's going to have to be made. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's, I guess it's time to close the program, Phil. Um, I know I talked over. So do, do we have music, cool. or did we already hear it from uh, Five for Fighting? Well, we got we got some additional music. Uh, this is a cover of the old disco anthem "Call Me." You might remember Blondie came out with this uh, about Blondie. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I thought it was I thought it was a pretty good cover. So I, uh, here it is. It's Daydream on Autopilot is the name of the band, and the song, of course, is "Call Me." Daydream on Autopilot singing the song Call Me, which, of course, was originally from uh, a biopic about me called American Gigolo uh, back in the 70s. So, <laughs> we'll, 
We'll, we'll listen to that. And, uh, Stephen, thanks for putting that together. Thanks uh, to uh, Michael and to all our friends in the chat room. Really appreciate all your contributions this evening, and we look forward to being with you all again very soon on the next Fast Forward Radio. Until then, good night. Mm-hmm.